Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Everyone, John Worth, I'm here. It is this week's Sports Illustrated slash Tennis Channel Tennis Podcast. We're coming to you a few days early, and uh, here's why. As many of you no doubt know, last week at the New York Open, there was a controversy between Donald Young and Ryan Harrison. Young accused Harrison of using racially inappropriate language during uh, an exchange in their in their first round match. The ATP investigated on Friday. They said that no evidence had been found to support the allegation that Harrison used a racial slur during the match. Um, the, the issue with that was that on Monday and Tuesday, when this was making its way, rocketing around social media, it was a big story. When the ATP released their statement Friday, it was not a big story. And we thought, uh, in fairness, we should offer an opportunity for both players to uh, talk about what happened and maybe have a discussion about this and not do this over Twitter and social media uh, Donald Young declined and Ryan Harrison accepted. So uh, Ryan Harrison takes a few minutes and we, we talk about what happened and where he wants to go from here. Um, again, I wanted to extend this platform mostly because we all heard the allegations and fewer people heard that the allegations as of now anyway appear to be unfounded. A lot going on here. I, I wrote about this, that there's a lot of context here, some some history between the two of them. This is not just two random guys who, uh, who got into uh, an altercation during a tennis match. But um, here's a conversation with Ryan Harrison about uh, what happened, what didn't happen, and where he wants to go from here. And uh, if, if Donald Young changes his mind, we would be happy to uh, extend him this platform as well. So from uh, Delray, Florida, where he just landed for the next stop on the ATP caravan, here's Ryan Harrison. Hey, John. How you doing? Good. How are you doing? Doing a lot better. Things are starting to calm down, so that's good. You uh, you you landed in Delray, or you decided to uh, go to Bermuda for a week? I'm in Delray. I'm all I'm all good in Delray. I start tomorrow. Um, so I, I said on the intro that uh, I wanted to just basically give give you the opportunity to come on because this this happens a lot 
not just in tennis, not just mm-hmm. in sports, but you know, a- allegations get uh, a lot of attention, and then reports that they might be unfounded get much less attention. Yet you know, last week was, uh, you know, a lot was written, a lot trafficked in uh, social media, and then there wasn't a whole lot of uh, attention paid to that that Friday night announcement that there wasn't any evidence that uh, you said what you were accused of saying. So I, I guess I mean I have no agenda here, but I just I figured let's. Just how have you processed this last week? Let's just start general. The last week's been tough. I mean, especially the first few nights afterwards. Um, you know, social media was not kind. It was everything from attacks on me personally to death threats to threats at my family and uh, shots at my character. And uh, it was a very helpless feeling knowing that I uh, hadn't said what I was accused of saying and I was in, in no way – um, in a position to defend myself. I, I knew that the only thing that I could do was say exactly what happened, but with such a serious allegation um, and just the general overall, um, you know, like you said, quickness to jump on people and, and, and think people's guilt is, is immediate right when they hear something like that. It was a very helpless feeling. Um, and it was tough. You know, I, I didn't sleep well for nights on, uh, and I, I knew that, any sort of evidence that was coming forward was going to be was going to clear me, but that didn't make it any easier in the immediate aftermath of it. But before we go back to that, did you say death threats? Yeah, there was plenty of death threats. I mean, people were saying um, a, a whole lot of awful things. If you just go look at my Twitter timeline, there was a numerous things you know that were said. Some of which I left up there, some of which I took down just because it was too much. Um, but there was a lot of things that were said and. and a lot of them were death threats. Yeah, you were, you know, a- adamant. Nothing racial was was said. I just be totally yeah. clear. You you stand by that now too. One hundred percent. There was never a doubt in my mind that anything I said could even be close to interpreted that way. So when I was so clear and so adamant that I wanted an audio, um, it was because I knew that there was no room for doubt, and that was where, um, you know, I, I was just. 100% sure that any evidence that came forward uh, would clear me. I knew that the audio would be the quickest way. Um, I was really, uh, you know, in a way fortunate that a, a ball boy was so outspoken about it and, and so adamant that he had also witnessed and in no way heard anything that could have even been interpreted that way. So we got a lot of witnesses. We weren't able to get the audio, but like I said, every bit of evidence um, proved that what I said was uh, exactly exactly what I said it was the whole time. It was just uh, in conversation, you know, not nice conversation between Donald and I, but it was not racial. Have you talked to Donald since then? I mean, this was this was Monday night a week ago. Have you you guys had any communication? No, I haven't. I haven't. We, we spoke in the immediate aftermath in Tom Barnes's room. Um, he called us in there as a tour supervisor along with the uh, tour manager, Constantine, and, uh, and asked us both about it. That was, a, that was where I initially heard of the allegation. Um, I was extremely clear from the start that I had said nothing wrong. I told Tom Barnes on the spot that I would sign any waiver that said they could suspend me without an appeal if any shred of evidence came forward to confirm what Donald said. That's how sure I was that I hadn't said anything. I asked Donald if he would do the same thing. He declined. He did not say that he would sign any sort of waiver saying that he would accept any punishment or even offer to the way I'd done. And that can be confirmed with anybody who was in the room, which was Tom, Constantine, anybody there. Um, Moving forward from that, Tom said that his investigation was going to take place. He was going to talk to everyone. Um, there was no doubt in my mind that it was going to be cleared, but that's where it moved forward to a public thing because Donald, 
and my belief, knowing that there was going to be no shred of evidence that could validate what he said, took to, to, to social media to try and smear my name and, uh, you know, basically assassinate my image just to, um, you know, try to get back at me for what's been a series of tough matches against me. You, you mentioned the digital poison that is uh, social media that do- doesn't tend to leave mm-hmm. much uh, room for nuance. But it, it also seems to me no. it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to divorce this from the polarizing, uh, you know, this this political climate, this cultural moment we're having. Do, do you see this incident fitting into that, too, where, you know, it's it's, it's pick a lane and there ain't a whole lot of room for uh, for middle ground. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that you know, just the the state of the world right now, the state of the country, people are really um, you know really quick to to judge other people. I, I think that just the general outlook on especially topics of such serious nature like that, which is uh, just overall equality and, and diversity in the world, I think that people are really quick to condemn somebody as guilty before understanding what the facts are, which is exactly why I believe that the allegation picked up so much traction and that now I'm cleared, everyone doesn't really care or want to talk about it because it's uh, it has no validation. But that doesn't mean that me and my family haven't had a week that was probably the worst week, if not the worst week of my professional life. What's your strategy when you're seeing this? I mean, are you are you consulting with someone at CAA? Are you consulting with the ATP? You're thinking to myself, you know, you're thinking this is my reputation. I'm getting death threats. This is hell on my family. What what's mm-hmm. the process for dealing with the uh, you know the crisis management of this? Well, I have a I have a manager, and I also work with a guy who does PR specialization, who's been helping me with things. Um, and we we discuss just the best possible way for me to um, basically hold hold my hold my wits about me, keep my character, because I, I want to make sure that people know that there's a, there's a Ryan who competes on the tennis court, who competes and leaves it all out there, and then there's a personal level of me also. And the, the personal level of me um, is one that would tell you that anybody who's ever come up to me or had a personal conversation with me, I'm very confident would, would have left with a very positive image of who I am. And uh, that goes into this sort of category. This does not... Uh, talk about tennis. We're talking about things that supersede tennis, and uh, and that's where you know I think that this this level of accusation stretched to. Keep going with that. I, I wanted to ask you because I, I don't know. I mean, I was you know I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I was a bit critical as well, and part of it was listen. Here's mm-hmm. a guy who's had confrontations with a lot of other players, and part of it's mm-hmm. it's it's kind of what you said. You know, you you and I we we know each other a bit, and we we saw each other mm-hmm. uh, a few days ago. You met my daughter, and I'm thinking that guy is totally unrecognizable from this guy on the court who's yelling at so many opponents. I mean, what's sort of the, how do you reconcile that? Well, I I consider myself one of the best competitors in the game. And John, we've talked about things uh, numerous times throughout my career. And there's been times where you would have, you know, asked me questions along the lines of why I was so mentally fragile and why I was so mentally able to break or, or not be able to wait on the line for, for the extended period of time of an entire match. And I've, struggled with finding my best way to compete throughout matches for a long time in my career that was going to give me my best chance of winning. Um, the way I the way I look at it is is that I have a competitive edge that I I think that I'm one of the best competitors in the game and I wait on the line every time. There's never been a moment in my career, especially not in recent years, where I just said, you know, I, I give up. I, I will always put it on the line. And sometimes whenever two men who are competing in professional sports 
laid on the line, well, you're not always in a, in a happy frame of mind with those people. Um, like you said, there have been previous conversations and, and uh, confrontations before my career, um, many of which have also uh, led to totally fine uh, conversations with that person afterwards because we both are understanding of the situation that we're in, which is we're both exposed from a pressure standpoint. We're both exposed from a, um, you know, competitive standpoint and we're both trying to win. And if I've been involved in more than the average player, I don't doubt that for a second. I'm sure I have been because I'm the type of personality that's not your, your type, you know, normal tennis player. I I come from uh, a family and a, uh, and a background that's a very highly competitive and a highly, highly intense family and I think that gives me an edge and so it's just one of those things where I think that if this was any other sport people would view this as just competitors being competitors with tennis being the sort of uh, you know gentleman's game that it is at times it's not sort of viewed as a sport that's supposed to get that way but my job is to try and fight as hard as I can to provide a living for myself for my family to do the best that I possibly can and to ultimately be able to look back on my career and say that I gave it everything I had. And that's the most important thing to me. I I wrote too, that there was, you know, we we were going to reserve judgment. Did did he say it? Did he not say it? But, but let's be honest, this, there's some context here. This aren't just two random guys on the draw sheet having beef and Mm -hmm. there's, there's background here and you're same country and roughly the same generation and same management group. And if, if we're being honest, you know, Mm -hmm. we have a, a staunch, unapologetic Republican and African American. There's, there's a lot going on here. What what was your relationship with uh, Donald before this? It was never social. You know, we've never had an, an environment where we've ever been texting or talking. Um, Donald's not really social with that many people, to be honest with you. I, I have uh, a very long history with Donald of competitive matches, but we've never had a competitive match that didn't have that sort of personal feel to it. Um, I think that that started at a young age. You, you can go back, um, you know, social media, you, you can't really get rid of things. Um, Donald called me out on Twitter eight years ago whenever I got selected on Davis Cup team for the first time, and it didn't sit well with him. And, and I think that, you know, just the pressure that he's been under for a long time and that I've been under for a long time as well, trying to break through and be as, uh, you know, as great of a tennis player as I can be, oftentimes put us in a position where we were competing head-to-head against each other, and it, it had gotten into a little bit of a personal feel. And then, um, as of late, you know, quite a few matches I've been able to win in those in those uh, sort of matches, and I think that just this time, you know, it's disappointing that it, that it went to this level of accusation, especially with absolutely no uh, way that it could have been true. But Donald just decided to take this and use this as an opportunity to try and find a way to, um, you know, take a shot at my character. And that is a total, total lack of, uh, you know, lack of humane thing to do. You, when you do that, you're, you're understanding what the possible fallout is for me if I had an actual, if I'd actually said that and the suspension and the fine and all the stuff to be warranted. So in my opinion, I think that someone making that sort of accusation should face the exact sort of repercussions that I would face that I would have faced if I, uh, if I had said that, because it sets a terrible precedent that you can say and accuse someone with no validity whatsoever behind it and then have no repercussions whatsoever. So, I mean, what, what do you think should happen to him now? Well, the ATP is in a position where they've done their investigation. 
they have plenty of witnesses that have shown that they've come forward and extremely adamantly said that there's no way they could have missed it. And that's the chair umpire, the ball kids. Not only are they saying they didn't hear anything, they're saying that there's no way that they could have missed it, which is actually incredible that they were able to strongly say it like that. And it's the same way I felt whenever I first was accused of it. In my opinion, I would have faced a suspension of some some sort and undoubtedly a fine. And people need to realize that if it's a he said, she said one thing and there's no audio, well, at that point, all you have is witnesses. And all it would have taken is one witness to come forward and verify that it had been said for me to be absolutely guilty of this. And so I have six or actually my seven, including the chair umpire, that have written statements all verifying the exact same thing, which is what I said the entire time. And so I think that that's enough, enough grounds to, uh, to make sure that he faces at least a, a heavy fine, if not a suspension. Okay. I mean, I, I, you know, if we're talking Canada, I, I would push back a little bit and say sort of I'm, I'm not sure using a racial slur is symmetrical to accusing someone who may not have used it. But I, I, I mean, it does seem like the policy is very vague. It doesn't seem like there's a, a section of the rule book where accusation that ends up being unfounded. Uh, there's there's no conversion chart where you, you look it up and under subclause 2C, you can find the suspension. I mean, it seems it all seems a little bit mushy right now. Yeah, I mean it's a very it's a very uh, vague you know thing because there's no set rule. I mean you just never you just never imagine that somebody's going to take take it to a point of making such a false accusation with absolutely no uh, no reason to do it whatsoever, other than the fact that he's disappointed that he lost the tennis match to somebody that he didn't like. Um, and like you said, it it might not be as serious in the public's eye as a you know suspension or a fine or whatever I'd have been when warranted if I had actually said it. But when you look at the damages that have potentially come out of all of this and the potential slight, um, you know, or the taint on my name for the rest of my career that people are going to have to remember, because like you said, the majority of people know the allegation. The majority of people don't know that the ATP cleared it. So that's where I'm going to have to be probably answering questions about this for the rest of my career. Well, I mean, you let's let's keep going. I mean, there are, there are legal remedies uh, for, for damage to reputation, especially if they're financial consequences you can show. I mean, have you, have you consulted a lawyer? Yeah, we've, we've definitely looked into that. Yeah. I don't know exactly what, what, um, you know, what route we're going to go. I mean, I want to do things correctly. I want to make sure that, uh, that I am, am not just, uh, you know, blowing smoke to, to, for the sake of doing it, but I know the defamation that I've faced. I know that this is in every way, shape or form, uh, a defamation case. And I have a very strong case considering that we have so many witnesses and so many people adamantly saying that they didn't hear it. Um, I feel like some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of thing is warranted in that position. But um, with that being said, when you speak to lawyers and you understand the uh, legal uh, legal side of it, there has to be a, a concrete case. And I think that there is. And we need to discuss, you know, how to move forward. And what, what if he just says, you know, sorry, man, we've had a lot of history between us. I thought I heard something and I'm sorry. I mean, it, would an apology make this go away at this point? It would be tough. I would appreciate it because it, at that point, I think it, you know, it clears, uh, it clears up a lot of the speculation, which you still have some people, you know, who, who go, oh, well, you know, maybe you whispered it or something like that, which is kind of ridiculous considering that it would be, you know, a very interesting thing for me to have whispered all the way across the court. But there is a lot of things that are still being said, and all 
of it's coming back in a positive way, but now what I want more than anything is that someone who can just flat out lie and make something up like that, uh, you know, to face the repercussions. And like you said, an apology would be a start. Um, we'd have to kind of see after that. But you, you don't think there's an in-between here. I mean, we, we hear things in uh, aroused states. We, we know about the imperfection of memory. I mean, can we leave open the possibility is, that he thought he heard something that he didn't hear, that it wasn't malicious? There is, there is zero doubt in my mind that this was a hundred percent lie. There is zero doubt in my mind that it is a that it is or is not a hundred percent lie. Sorry, there, 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 there are too many negatives here. What is it, you're, you're saying? You, you think there might be some imperfection of memory, or you think? No, no, no. I'm saying there's zero doubt in my mind that this was a hundred percent lie on his part. So you think? You, you, you I'll clarify me. it even better. Yeah, you lost me. I know for a fact. I, I know for a fact in my my own mind that he made this up. Um, let me ask you this: I I started covering tennis in like the late '90s, and if you had said to me, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I'm just picking names here. Well, what did, what were Todd Martin's politics, or how, how do you think uh, you know, Shanda Rubin voted? I would have zero mm-hmm. idea. I would wonder why you were even bringing that up. Fans today seem very attuned to which players align where politically. And I don't know if that's sort of the, the age we're living in in general. I'm, I'm curious, first of all, if, if as a player, this, this red-blue divide expresses itself in, in the workplace, you know, the, the locker room and the court, but also what you make of the fact that it, it does seem like politics and this, this moment of polarization we're having as a country seem to have uh, found their way into tennis. Yeah, and I think that they found their way into all sports. I mean, even today, you look at uh, it's happening in basketball, you know, with Kevin Durant and LeBron James and the Fox News reporter. You know, it's not just tennis that it's starting to kind of cross over into. It's starting to go everywhere. And I think that that's because that it's, uh, one, our technology nowadays lets everybody have a voice and everything gets out there. So your quiet opinions don't always stay quiet and, you know, just between you and the person you had the conversation with. So the magnitude of the way things get blown up is just far more, um, you know, it's just far more open these days. And then, two, um, we obviously have had an extremely, um, I guess, uh, controversial two years where people are very, very quick to dislike or show hate to the other side. Um, I've had numerous people in my life that I have had conversations with, and I try and always be um, – on the on the page that is honest about the way I feel about things, but also respecting and understanding of where somebody else is coming from. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to ever change my mind, but I do give them the opportunity to tell me what they're trying to say, and I think that that's important. I think it's important for people to be able to look at the other side, understand that everybody's a person, everybody in this country, especially as an American at the end of the day, we all want what's best for the country and the world. So I think that it's very important that more than anything – that's why this case against me was so serious because this is a case of someone who made a false accusation out of nowhere, knowing the state of the world today to try and slander my name in a case where he knew that it wasn't, it wasn't any way, shape or form true. And you don't think uh, a couple of CAA agents and a couple of beers and everyone can sit in a room and it's naive to think this is something that can be worked out, uh, with, without involving lawyers and ATP investigations? Uh, you know, I would like to because at some point in time, I would like, I, I don't have the, 
you know, the reputation or the, I guess I'm not somebody in my life who tries to carry things on and, you know, hate people forever or have that sort of feeling toward anybody. My, my feeling is, is that, um, you know, Donald, Donald made it very clear immediately following the match when I tried to have this conversation that he wanted no part of it. And then he took the social media to try to destroy my character. So, I don't see a way in which Donald and I would, would be able to move past it in a positive light. That doesn't mean that I'm going to try and, uh, you know, I guess engage in personal, um, you know, activity with them outside of tennis. I, I see this being something where um, I'll just try to, you know, avoid avoid conversation and avoid the, the situation with him where we have to be in conversation. And then if we happen to play again, I'll compete as hard as I can and, and, and do everything I can to win. And, and uh you know, it's been working out for me every time I've played him before. So I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to continue to compete as hard as I can. But that, in no way, shape, or form, has, has ever, you know, led to a racial comment, and would never lead to a racial comment. I should point out, you guys are both at the same event uh, this week as well. But you're, you're, uh, yes. you know, you, you had, you had some points fall off your ranking. Memphis being the, uh, the, the Long Island, the New York Open points. But you know, you're, you're top sixty. You're holding a Grand Slam doubles title. What effect does this have on your game? I mean, are, are, you, are you concerned that emotional energy is being invested where it isn't? Are you feeling this could be a source of motivation and fuel? I mean, how, what's the intersection between this event last week and the state of your tennis? Well, last week it had a little bit of an effect just because it was a really difficult two days between that match and then my next match, and so that was definitely a part of it. But moving forward, I don't think that it's going to have any effect because I don't intend on changing who I am as a competitor. Um you know, the difference is, is that I'm not out there trying to be somebody I'm not. I'm competing, and I'm leaving it on the line, and I'm competing as hard as I can. And that's going to – some people are going to like that. Some people are going to not like that. And I'm understanding of that. You know, you have every right to, to dislike me as a competitor or like me as a competitor. That's who, you know, fans have the, the ability to try to connect with. But, um, like you said, the seriousness of the allegation, is, it speaks for itself. I don't think it's going to have any effect on my game because I'm not I'm not out here thinking about it in a way that I need to change anything. I'm just going to get back to tennis. I'm going to get back to playing as hard as I can. Um, I know that as this plays out, the only thing that's going to happen from me on from here on out is a positive because um, the worst already happened, which is somebody set a false allegation, and then the evidence is slowly and surely started to come forward even more and more. Um, every you know, every couple of days, more and more evidence comes forward that's in a positive light for me. If uh, you know if that trend continues, then I'll just let the people on my behalf do the work for me. Again, I mean, to- total candor. I think people listen to this and they hear you speak and they they hear your, your tempered response here and they say, "How is that possibly the same guy uh, on the court screaming at the opponent, screaming at fans?" I mean, what what um, I mean, what, what else do you want people to know here? I mean, you're Again, the motivation here for doing this podcast was a lot of times the you know that the charges get shouted from rooftops and drop charges get whispered. What what else do you want people to know about you? What else do you want people to know going forward here? Well, first of all, you know, in the in the majority of my life is the ninety nine percent of my life that I'm not sitting there playing a competitive tennis match. And everybody who's been around me knows that this is the way I control myself. This is the way that I respect people and the way I am as a person outside of that um the other thing is that i think that as a competitor i don't view the way that i compete as a negative and um 
this is certainly not an instance where I'm screaming at opponents in every match or screaming at fans in every match. I, I don't go out there with the intention of engaging in that for personal gain. My personality is one of standing up for myself and standing up for my family and standing up for what I believe in. I think that the only thing about me that I you know, have continued to work on is my competitive edge and how I can channel that into being as, as great of a competitor as I possibly can. Now, whenever you have an instance with an opponent where you're you know, in a close match, those two people aren't worried about being best friends in that moment. You have num- numerous guys who've had highly contested matches that have gotten chippy for long periods of time and over the course of tennis history that really, really liked each other off the court. And I have that sort of relationship with a lot of a lot of players. But with that being said, it's not my for you know in the forefront of my mind to try and be everybody's best friend as much as it is to try and and work out how I'm going to make a living and how I'm going to be a, the best tennis player I can be. Um, I always try to do that in a respectful way because I, I don't go out there with the intention of starting uh, you know drama just to start drama. But I guess if there's anything that you could say about me that is uh, you know the reason for some of it, it's just when you have that moment of you know you're looking at somebody and you you have that engaging feeling, um, you know my my voice and my personality is one of always being open about what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking. So. My, my personality is not one to have somebody glare at me as I'm changing sides and then just put my head down. I am the type of person who just looks at them and says, okay, is there a problem? Do you have something to say? And that's where conversation can get going more than other opponents. Now, like I said, I don't think that that's a negative because I don't have any sort of fallout where that affects my play negatively or where it doesn't. It actually makes me compete hard knowing that I'm trying every point as hard as I can to be there and, and compete as hard as I can. Um, that uh, No, I, I appreciate your taking the time. I mean, again, this was uh, intended as much as anything to give a guy a platform who may, maybe didn't get quite quite as big a platform uh, on Friday evening when the press release came out as he did on Monday night when social media started erupting. Um, I guess I guess we'll see guess we'll see how this plays out. I um, selfishly, I would I would encourage you. Uh, let's let's keep lawyers out of this, but that's your decision. And um, no, I, I appreciate the time today. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on to give me the give me the platform. I, I know that it's a uh, it's an extremely controversial topic, and like I said, we we actually you know we haven't made a final decision on how to move forward with uh, with that sort of stuff yet. But the one thing I know for sure is that I'd encourage anybody to who has any questions about my character to come up and talk to me, come up and, and say hello, whatever. I think that the way that I handle myself and treat people will speak for itself. So I appreciate you giving me the time and the day and the time of the day to, to say what I have to say and uh, look forward to seeing you next time. Very good. Do it next time. And uh, hope, hope the circumstances this week uh, are all about the tennis. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ryan. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, that does it for this week. Thanks for uh, Ryan Harrison for spending uh, a half an hour or so here. Um, I, as I've written about, I don't don't always agree with everything he uh, says and does, but I do uh, appreciate someone that can have a conversation like that. So thanks to Ryan. Thanks as always to uh, our producer Jamie Lasanti. Jamie, you heard that uh, conversation? Any uh, any initial thoughts? Well, the first thing I said to you was that I 
wanted to, I should have put my mic on, but I wanted to ask him what exactly he did say. Um, not that it makes any difference. To, do- to Donald Young. Correct. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't pretty. I'm sure it wasn't nice. But uh, I just immediately when he said something to the effect of, you know, that if this was another sport or, you know, it wouldn't be and this wasn't tennis, that it would be, um, you know, kind of brushed off or something like that. And so uh, in that context, I was curious then what he did say, because, I mean, we do see a lot of trash talking in in other sports, obviously in other sports that are much more contact heavy um, when people are really face to face and things like that. So that was kind of like one of my first reactions. But what about you? Yeah. I, and I always get tripped up on that. People say, well, if this were in tennis, if this, well, you know what? It is tennis. Uh, you know, if this were in the office, I could I didn't have to wear socks, but, you know, I'm in the office. Um, No, I mean, first of all, Ryan knew what I wrote about him. He knew I was fairly critical uh, last week, and I respect that he was was willing to come on and and have a conversation. I I do, at at some level, sympathize with the fact that this allegation was cast. Everybody ran with it. Um, Again, I I think that the history here played into this, and it's it's naive to, uh, to assert otherwise, but the, the fact of the matter is, as, as we stand right now, that allegation, which was very serious, uh, w- was not borne out. And I think it's interesting. I mean, I, I'm not quite sure I buy the argument that using a racial slur should be somehow commensurate with an allegation that someone used it that didn't pan out. But I, I do think his point is well taken, that um, it's it's a little problematic that Donald Young ran with this. Donald Young hasn't really done much in the way of uh, of media since. I mean, I, I wasn't the only request that he turned down. That's uh, that's a pretty serious grenade to uh, to lob, and then within a matter of days, to not have one single person, um, you know, and this is a it's a Long Island crowd. I mean, I, I can't imagine there's any sort of cover up. I mean, I, I don't think people heard it and didn't come forward. I, I think no no one heard it, so it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I think Ryan's one of these guys that. Um, sort of need a, a level of friction and need need fuel. He said that anyway. Yeah, and and I always I mean I think that uh you know somehow Federer Nadal can you know f- fight for for history and and grand slam titles and millions of dollars uh and still manage to uh you know have, have a very civil and um mutually respectful relationship. You'd like to think that Ryan Harrison and Duty Sella could do the same, but uh you know different players are are wired differently. And, you know, again, I think it's hard to divorce this from this political climate. And Ryan Harrison has political sensibilities that he's not shy about sharing. And, um, you know, when, when he's competing against an African-American from a few states away, I mean, it's I, I just, again, I encourage people to see this for what it is. It doesn't mean someone did something or someone didn't do something, but just the, the fact that this was not just two random guys who had a confrontation at tennis match. There, there's a lot of dynamic here. And and you don't think that he should pursue any sort of legal matters here? Um, I mean, you, you kind of told him that at, at the end, very casually, you know, maybe, I, maybe not. But I, I hope that, as you kind of suggested, that um, they can sort of get in a room and, and just kind of, like, talk with each other and just figure out what happened you know because in that case it is what, what what Ryan was saying was that he gets very intense on the court during a match in those places but if he's able to just sit in a room with Donald and just talk to him about what happened I mean if he's the kind of person that he says he is off the court then 
I think he should be able to have those conversations regardless of how serious the allegations were or, you know, how upset he is that this is damaging to his reputation. So I think it would be good for both of them to sort of sit in a room, talk about it, make amends, and then sort of come to the public and say, we've discussed this. You know, if you want to ask us any questions, you you know, individually or together, we can do that. But and yeah, at that exactly. point. I don't think it serves anyone and litigation is expensive when when athletes sue athletes it's uh it it tends not to go well i I also i didn't quite follow his point but i i would leave open the possibility that donald young was inaccurate but not untruthful i mean memories are funny things and they're full of imperfections especially when we're you know in in a state of competition or in a state of arousal um Ryan didn't seem to be buying that, but I, I I would encourage people to leave open the possibility that Donald Young may have misheard, but it wasn't coming from a place of malice. That makes sense. Um, all right, next time we'll have a uh, we'll have a more upbeat topic. Uh, again, rumors of a uh, number one ranked player who may be uh, paying us a visit, but um, we will have more guests uh, coming soon. That will do it for this week, though. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks Jamie. Thanks to Ryan Harrison for uh, spending some some time talking about something that um, probably wasn't his, his favorite topic either. So anyway, um, with, with, you know, if maybe this uh, forwards the discussion a little bit, maybe this takes us off of 140 word uh, discussions, but there you have it. Um, all right. That does it for this week. Thanks for listening. You can get, I need you to do this, Jamie. Where can people hear this podcast? On Apple podcast, on Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast, download it, and leave us a review. Leave a review. I always forget to add that. Say nice things or not nice things. What you say, what you want, and we will take them and try our best. In the spirit of today's podcast, we encourage uh, candor. We don't always have to agree. All right. That does it for this week. Thanks, everyone. We'll do it again in a week. (laughs) 